You are listening to Healthy Voices Radio, where you will hear podcasts featuring stories from our Healthy Voices family, hosted by amazing advocates, interviewing amazing advocates. Now, here's your Healthy Voices Radio host, talking all things health-related, Robert Brining and Brady Dale Morris. Good afternoon, everybody, and happy Friday. Welcome to Healthy Voices Radio. I'm one of your co-hosts, Robert Brining, and of course, I'm joined by the fabulous Brady Del Morris. Hey, Brady. Hey, Robert. How are you doing today? Good. I'm loving it up in Philly. It's 70 degrees, nice weather. How's it there in Tennessee? Uh, it is wet. We are so wet, but it is great. I've been out. I've been out all morning pulling weeds out of my flower beds. So the rains have made it easy for that. So thankful for for small things. <laughs> mm. Oh, your garden looks great, by the way. I see pictures of it online all the time. Well, I try. It's it is a labor of love, but I, it is to me. It's like I created my own little sanctuary I guess I can go out and sit in my backyard when things are getting so stressful and I just need a place to to chill and relax I have created that in my backyard with all my flowers and the lights and everything it is my my safe space I guess that's awesome because you know um uh, I don't have it now because I live in an apartment, so I don't have, like, a backyard or a front yard. But when I um, lived uh, with somebody else before and I was dating them, he had a huge garden. And, I mean, huge, everything. And, it's like you said, it's a labor of love. You put so much work into it, and then you reap the benefits, whether it's flowers that you're cutting to, to make your, your house smell nice or it's the vegetables that you're picking and cooking with, you know. And it's a great way to practice self-care. It is. It really is. Um, just to go over real quick, uh, Robert, uh, we need to go over our, our little housekeeping items. Healthy Voices Radio is produced and sponsored by Jansen, the founder of Healthy Voices, a groundbreaking leadership created exclusively to empower online health advocates. For more information on Healthy Voices, please visit healthyvoices.com. Also, follow us um, on Twitter at Healthy Voices and uh, Instagram for updates on this podcast, as well as Twitter chats, webinars. So much more. Also, um, some disclaimers real quick. If you need medical advice or have questions about your treatment or condition, we urge you to speak with your doctor as we cannot provide medical advice. Also, as a reminder, for regulatory guidelines, we are not permitted to discuss any medications or products during today's episode, so um, we will refrain from doing so. Also, information you post will be shared in a public capacity. We will not be sharing or posting any information or confidential information we do not want others to know. Also, we will not be posting or sharing any personal information about another person. And also, Jansen has paid Robert and I to host and produce this podcast episode and series. All thoughts expressed here are our own. And I want to take a second to encourage everyone who's listening to go and subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And you can always find us on Blog Talk Radio. Now, that, that is said, correct. Tell us, tell, us, tell us about today's guest, Robert. So, first of all, before I read her bio straight, I, I just have to tell you that I met Meg um, in, I believe it was 2017. It was my first Healthy Voices conference. And I didn't really interact with her there one-on-one conversation-wise. I think there may have been a small, like, little time when we were at the table. Uh, chatting right. and I was learning about her 
And that's when I heard her amazing YouTube name, the Front Butt YouTuber. And I was just, like, blown away by that name. I was like, it's so original. It's so, you know, like, people are going to remember this. And it wasn't until last – say again? I said it definitely grabs your attention. Oh, yes. Um, But it wasn't actually until last – the. 2018 Healthy Voices, when you attended the first time, that I really sat down with Meg and got to have conversations with her. And it was me, you, uh, Meg, and Lee was with us. And we all were in uh, Megan's hotel room. And the conversation was just flowing. And these are my favorite parts of Healthy Voices and any other conference that I go to. You know, the sessions are great. The speakers are great. But it's the one-on-one connections that you make with other health advocates. And I learned so much from Meg. You know, it kind well, of it was, bloomed this idea. Yes, it was it, exactly. It was it was an amazing conversation, and it was from that conversation that we are even here today talking, because um, we got to talking about Pause I Am Radio and what we do there on that podcast, and mm-hmm. it just came out. Why don't we have some kind of um, platform like this for healthy voices connecting health advocates and talking about our 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 medical conditions? And it was the birth of Healthy Voices Radio right then and there with today's guest. So I'm so happy to be talking to Megan today. Yeah, so she was a big part of this. And I don't even know if she knows that, but, like, her opening up to us in that moment, you know, really broke down the walls and allowed us to, to continue to do the work that we're doing here on Healthy Voices Radio. So with that said, let me bring um, Meg Johnson tell you about Meg. Meg Johnson is a IBD and Ostomy advocate and is known across social media platforms such as YouTube and Instagram as the front butt YouTuber. If you haven't seen her, go check her out. Google her. You'll find tons of stuff. She's funny as hell. Um, She began to make videos in November of 2013 due to the fact that there was lack of accessible information on and around the care of ostomies. There were a few people who may have paved the way with IBD before and ostomies openly, but there was still a gap that she felt needed to be addressed. So that's when she hit record on the camera and started making content for Ostomates by an Ostomate. Um, and in doing so, she made many connections and has established herself well in the community. So please help me welcome the front button YouTuber, Meg Johnson, to the show. Welcome, Meg. Hey, how's it going? Going great. How are you? Happy Friday. Oh, I am so, oh, thank you. Thank you. I am so excited to be on this radio thing here. Oh, I've been looking forward to this for, for months. Did you know that we're you were so like, happy. you're like, you know, you, you helped us birth this. Like, you know, the conversations we had last year with you eating that Chicago deep dish pizza at Healthy Voices <laughs> 18 really, you know, put the fire on this. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't realize that until uh, you guys asked me to be on the show, and I am just, oh, I'm so glad that it turned out, and and it has really uh, taken off, and, and, and people really enjoy listening to other people's stories. It's it's great, and, and gosh darn it, I really do still have dreams about that darn Chicago deep dish pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It would, it would have fed a small army. So Meg, let's get into today to the interview. I am um I'm really curious. When did your issues with your colon begin? Well, they actually started before I even turned a year old. So I was 
practically a baby when I started showing symptoms. Now, I didn't get uh, diagnosed until I was two years old. Now, now be, before I got diagnosed, you know, I was dealing with a lot of, like, uh, bloody stool and, and, and um, things like that. But, you know, I was a baby back then, so I don't really remember very much. Um, it didn't, I don't really remember things until it got to, like, the procedures. But anyway, I got diagnosed um, incorrectly with uh, ulcerative colitis. When I was two, and um, went with that diagnosis all the way up until I turned 23, and probably got the diagnosis of Crohn's disease. Um, now, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are a part of inflammatory bowel disease. So, inflammatory bowel disease is kind of like the umbrella term. Um, now, there is another um, form called intermediate colitis, um, but each of these, um, well. Uh, inflammatory bowel disease um, right now is kind of being discussed potentially as like a spectrum. Um, but uh, depending on um, the symptoms, um, things will be classified as ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, or intermediate um, colitis. Um, now, there, there are differences. Um, if you want me to expand on that, I would be glad, gladly too. Yeah, we'll we'll totally get into that. Um, I want to say just real quick, you know, a, a big shout out to your folks and to your parents for uh, for being so attentive. Um, I can't even imagine. I mean, living with chronic illness as an adult, being able to express to my providers, you know, the pain or what I'm going through, and still having to you know run circles to get diagnoses and everything. Um, so as a child, not even being able to express yourself, you know, it takes a, a very attentive parent. To, uh, to fight for their child. So shout out to them real quick. Um, so tell us then, what, is, what exactly is Crohn's disease? So Crohn's disease is um, an autoimmune disease or uh, immune-mediated uh, response um, that impacts um, primarily the GI tract. So Crohn's disease, um, there can be inflammation anywhere from the gum to the bum, as I like to say. So um, anywhere <laughs> from the mouth. The yep. Anywhere from the mouth all the way down to the anus. Um, so uh, lots of inflammation can happen, um, some uh, systematic things. Um, so with, with uh, inflammatory bowel disease, something that is often um, not talked about um, out in public is the things that can potentially come with it. Like different, um, uh, I'm going. I always butcher this word, um, but they are called extra-intestinal manifestations, um, which can uh, impact the joints, um, the skin, mouth, eyes, bones, kidneys, liver, and and so on, um, and it can uh, even cause uh, anemia. So it really is uh, not necessarily. Uh, not a bathroom disease, but really a very complex uh, condition. Gotcha. Well, then, um, what about then when you were a child and and your parents were explaining this to you, what you were going through? How did you deal with with classmates, and how did it affect your your young ed- your education in your in your beginning years? Well, I would first I would. I want to say thank you so much to my mom. She really has been there for for, for me since day one. Um, She's been the best mom. She's the best caregiver. I really lucked out with that. Um, So 
I love her as much as I possibly can. Um, but uh, growing up, I really was not that educated about IBD. It wasn't until I became a, a senior in high school that I really started to research it. Um, now, uh, being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis um, back then, um, since you know I no longer had my uh, colon and most of my rectum was gone, so um, I uh, people told me that I was cured. And that I didn't need to really do anything else, which that that's not true. You you can't cure ulcerative colitis with with surgery. Now it can be a treatment, but you're still going right. to get those other manifestations. Um, so you know I would you know complain to my general practitioner and you know you know let my adults know in my in you know uh, what's going on and you know I just kept getting kind of shoved off a little bit you know my mom believed me and you know when we would go to the doctor you would say oh you have uc you're fine your colon's out you know you're fine and then um you know i got into college and which you know, yay got into college woo! the first year of college yeah oh yeah that first year of college really was difficult um i moved halfway across the united states and was in a, a brand new town, didn't know anyone, didn't really have any social support at all, new doctors, you know, the, the whole spiel, you know. And I went to a new GI doctor. He's still marked with UC, and they just started throwing pills at me. Pills, 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 pills. And um, it, it got so bad that, you know, I went to go see a surgeon, and I begged them to give me an ostomy. And, you know, I knew what ostomy was. You know, I had one before. Um, I had one when I was around two years old, so I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. And I knew that if I could just get rerouted and to have that ileostomy, um, that potentially I could um, feel a little bit better. I would, I would obtain just a little bit more quality of life. And so I had um, a loop ileostomy surgery. So, you know, I'm, I'm throwing out some words here that people may not necessarily know. But um, so an ostomy is actually the surgery that is done, but there are different kinds of ostomies. So generally speaking, there are three ty- types of ostomy. So there, there is a colostomy, ileostomy, and urostomy. So colostomy is when the... Um, part of the large intestine is pulled out through the abdomen wall and is sutured, um, creating a stoma. And then a bag um, appliance is then placed onto the abdomen to collect the stool. Um, So the the key word there is large intestine for colostomy. The next one is an ileostomy. And that's what you have right, Meg? So I have an ileostomy. Yes, I have an ileostomy. ileostomy. It's, it's a little right. bit different than a colostomy. Um, so um, an ileostomy is part of the small intestine that is pulled through the abdomen wall, then sutured, and then a appliance go, goes over and collects the stool. Um, so that's what I have. Um, now, there, of course, are different medical terms depending on how the stoma is created, um, there, are, you know, there are ones that are classified as temporary or long-term. Um, so a temporary one would be a loop ileostomy. A long-term one would be an end 
ileostomy. Um, now, end ileostomies can still be reversed, but it's a little bit more difficult. Um, and then the the last um, type of ostomy, or generally, again, generally speaking, is the urostomy. So that deals with urine. Uh, that's when uh, uh, the two ureters are disconnected. Uh, part of um, bowel is used to then pull through the ureters and the um, a bowel to make that stoma, and then a bag is then applied uh, to collect the urine. Wow, gotcha. So, so let me yeah, ask so you this. It, um, oh, just real quick, I just want to. So, when you when people are going through your YouTube or they see any picture that you a lot that you have posted, you know that that is what you're holding is the ostomy bag, correct? For for those our listeners yes. who are maybe googling you right now or or looking you up and they see you, I love, I'm looking on your blog right now on WordPress and I see you know the picture of you with the bag, just so so people are familiar with the, this is what this is, and this is um. You know, basically what you use to go to the bathroom, correct? Yes. Yes. So, um, so what? Uh, let, I, me, let me just real quick. I just want to. I just want to figure out how. How I guess how did your parents tell you? You know what I mean? Because you said your your earliest. You know, you were you were told that you, this issue was at two years old, so you don't have a lot of memories because you were so little. But how did your parents like break it down to you? And at what age is like your first memory of? you know, having this kind of a condition? Like the first memory is, is actually my very first memory is, is me in the hospital and I was in some kind of hallway and I had an IV um, in um, my arm and I was, I was screaming at that point. But generally speaking, growing up, you know, I was told that I had um, this autoimmune disease that impacted my large intestine and that there was inflammation and that my um, intestine basically looked like raw hamburger meat and it had to be removed. And I was given supposedly a J pouch, um, which is I, um, uh, a surgery um, that, you know, you remove the colon or the large intestine um, and the small intestine is then pulled down, made into a J and then attached to the anus. Um, and right. then, you know, um, I, I was so how old were you when this happened? Um, I was two years old. So I had uh, two major surgeries. Uh, the first surgery was uh, the removal of my colon and most of my rectum. Um, and then I was given a temporary ileostomy. So that was my first time having an, an uh, ileostomy. I went a couple of months with that. And um, then, uh, oh, and then during that, the first step is also creation of the supposed J pouch. Now there is a plot twist in here, I will say, but I'll save it for a little bit later in the story. But um, <laughs> right. so, so. so your first memory that you said you were talking about when you had, you know, that pain, how old were you at that time? Uh, pro probably around two. Yeah. I mean, my first memory was, oh, so you were still, so, you, so your first um, memory of, of having this was two years old. It wasn't like something that, that you didn't remember until later. So then how did your parents break it down to you? And at what age did they kind of tell you where you actually understood what was going on? I don't remember like a specific time where they, they really like sat me down and was like, Oh, you have this. And it was kind of like, you know, giving me the diagnosis. Um, I just remember knowing that I had UC. Like I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I, I can't really tell you that, but 
Um, okay. It's like the, the general gist of it is like you have a, an autoimmune disease and, and, and also, you know, my my parents were extremely young when when all this happened. So and I mean, course, you're you know, extremely young. Yeah, Meg, right? Yeah. How old are you? Yeah, I'm 25. So fun fact. 25. Um, yeah. So my mom was the same age as me now when all my health stuff was going on. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. I'm looking back, and I'm like, there is no way that right now I can t- be taking care of a two year old that would have a major disease. I wouldn't be able to do it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really do look up to my mom, and, and you know, she, she really is the best mom ever. Um, yeah, that's but, awesome. yeah the, the doctors back then, you know, didn't really tell her very much. You know, it was at a children's hospital. Um, you know, I had doctors tell me that I was cured for, for crying out loud. So any, any report that I um, would say about me being in pain, like people just wouldn't believe me. Um, but yeah. Well, wow. Megan, I'm curious. We know that children are, are, you know, children are just active. Did did all of this happening with you such at an early age? Did it have an impact with how you interacted with other children or or the activities that you wanted to do as a kid? Definitely. So the most, like, I guess um, the thing that I remember the most is that I got bullied a lot, um, having to do uh, with, um, like, um, uh, my stomach would make these really loud growling sounds, and uh, other kids thought it was funny. And also, you know, we would have these, like, group classroom bathroom breaks, and pretty much any IBD can tell you that, like, that's like their worst nightmare is groups going to the bathroom together. Um, uh. I had, you know, such a loose stool that, you know, it, it sounded like I was, you know, blowing up the toilet in there and right. you know, kids would make fun of that. And um, so I was always kind of like that, that kid, you know, the quiet kid that really no one interacted with much um, kind of quiet voice in the, in the, in the back of the class. Didn't want anyone's attention at all. Um, but, you know, there was that, and, you know, I had difficulty playing sports. Um, there were just, just so much stuff that looking back at my childhood that, you know, you know, IBD really did impact a lot of things and, um, like sleepovers, like I was terrified of sleepovers. Um, but, uh, thinking about back, you know, here a couple of months ago when I, uh, said something about a plot twist. Um, so I actually did not have a J pouch. I had something that's called a pull through. Um, so my current surgeon, um, when I, uh, moved down, you know, across, you know, the United States to a new town, um, my new surgeon went in there for scope and she goes, yeah, um, you, you, you don't have a J pouch. You have a pull through. Wow. So a pull-through, um, there is no pouch, really. It's just straight down. Yep. So the intestine is, is pulled straight down. Um, so there was really no way I could, like, hold in, you know, this, this output. You know, I, there's no way I could hold in my poop. So, you know, I would gotcha. have accidents all the time. And, you know, my skin was just obliterated down there. So, um yeah, I mean, my yeah, it, it was not fun. 
Um, well, we but, talked about you know, serious. We, you know, you're going through that as a child and and everything. What what kind of? I mean, you had your folks, um, and thank God you had a great mother um, who was there for you. What other kind of support systems did you have? Like, were there any kind of education given to the other children that you were around or classmates? Or were you the one that was having to constantly educate and tell everyone about about what you were going through? There was nothing. I was the one that had to um, to voice. And, and, and yeah, so basically what would happen is um, in elementary school, I remember this distinctively. So my mom actually was the health aide at the elementary school. So conveniently, I would always have my mom there. And if I felt sick, I would just go to my mom's office because she was the health aide. Um, but I remember her sitting me down and she goes, I think it's time for you to, you know, express it for yourself. And and so um, I, you know, the next grade was up. You know, I finished third grade going to fourth grade. And before class started, I walked in and I go, I have ulcerative colitis. And I have a J pouch, so I needed to use the bathroom more. Mind you, I didn't really know anything about IBD. I didn't really know anything about ulceroclitis. I was just hoping, expecting them to know what ulceroclitis was. Um, and, right. and they didn't know. So I'd walk in and be like, hey, I just need to use the bathroom more. You know, my stomach growls. You know, I, you know, I didn't communicate that I was constantly in pain. You know, it's just, yeah. So that's when I really kind of started getting my voice was, leading into third and fourth grade, um, and then, you know, saying, I have ulcerative colitis. Um, well, and I think that's a great point to point out is that um, a lot of us living with chronic illnesses and conditions, we wind up not only having to be or live with these conditions, but we wind up being educators, you know, in our little smaller areas. Um, what mm-hmm. led you or what made you decide to go so public about about your about your medical condition and want to start advocating for those uh, with IBD? There just was not that much um, public stuff. Um, there, There is a barrier to get um, academic information, um, and you have to, like, belong to, you know, a university or something to, to get that access. So I wanted to see more personal um, narratives, and I wanted to see how not – necessarily what the disease would do um, or you know I, I wanted to see what what a person would do and, and I wanted to you know kind of step away a little bit from the medicalization um, and and really kind of like put myself out there to say hey I'm a person that you know has this going on and you know I, I want to talk about it because I feel like there's things that we need to talk about so that there can be some sort of solution or make our lives better. Um, so that's kind of something that, that led to the YouTube channel. And also, you know, um, having, you know, that, that pull through go south, um, that's when I, I started jumping on YouTube and checking out everyone else's stories. And I'm like, you know what? I want to be a part of this. I, I want to put my face out there. Now, I, right. I will say there, there, there are consequences. You know, uh, I, I get, you know, I was, messages. Yeah, I was about to ask 
um, one of the things that we do, like we love to talk about, is is finding our tribe and finding that support from from others living with our condition. Um, so you going online and looking up other other people's videos and and all of that did is that how you found your tribe and then is that how people found you? Yes, definitely, definitely. And and I will say the IBD community is a very tight knit community. Um, you know, having it, it deal with things that, you know, it's not socially acceptable to talk about, um, that, that's one of the things that, that really makes us tight-knit. Um, no one wants to talk about, you know, um, the pain and, you know, the blood, the inflammation, you know, you know <laughs> crying on the bathroom floor. Like, no one, no one right. wants to talk about that. And, you know, sleepless nights and, you know, side effects from all the stuff and, you know, the relationships lost and, you know, well, and just, um, what you're, what, what I'm getting from you is that there's just, there's, there is the, 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 the IBD component, but then there's also the mental health component, uh, you know, not getting, yes. like you said, not getting to speak about these things. Um, and that's why it's so important. And I think it's so fantastic, the work that you're doing to educate others. Um, and I think Robert was going to have some other questions coming up for you real quick. Robert. Yeah, yeah, uh, Meg, I got some questions coming from um, Twitter, and it's in regards to uh, the ostomy bag. They're asking, um, how often do you change your bag, and how, or, or, or is it something that you clean on, or, you know, you cl- I don't, like, what is the process like? How often is it changed, um, I guess, throughout the day, or, you know, how, how is that done for you? Yeah, so each person is going to be different. Um, so, Depending on how the stoma is and the skin around the stoma, uh, really, and, and your access to the appropriate um, appliance will impact how uh, long the appliance stays on and also your skill putting it on. Um, so uh, mine am I typically politi- stays am I, being, am I being politically incorrect by calling it an ostomy bag? Is it, should, should I be calling it an appliance? Oh no no no! You can you can call it okay. an ostomy bag. You know, I I will say UK the UK has um, they have a much better um, um, language where it's actually called mm-hmm. a, a a stoma, uh, where here in the states we call it an ostomy, but an ostomy is actually the surgical procedure. Um, but you know, well, we we're already we're already here, so might as well just call an ostomy appliance. But y- you get what I'm saying. Um, so gotcha. there's different, yeah. So when I say ostomy appliance, I'm referring to the the entire appliance. So the ostomy bag is actually a part of the appliance. So there wow. there you know it gets a little complicated in there. There's uh, appliances where there's like two piece appliances. There's one piece appliances. Um, and and so forth. So you can call an ostomy bag, but there might be a little bit of confusion, um, gotcha. so to speak. Okay. Um, another question somebody has coming from Twitter is, how difficult is it to shower with an ostomy appliance? Mm. So if you have a well-fitted ostomy appliance, you should be able to shower. However, there are a lot of things that um, that can yeah, compromise that a little bit. So, um, um, hold on, I'm trying to get my thoughts together here. 
So if you have a, right. an Ostomy appliance that is, or the wafer is like a little bundled and there's like these tunnels leading into the Ostomy appliance, then water can get into that and um, compromise the, the seal. Uh, now, there are other uh, products that you can use to help um, make the um, seal better. Um, that's something that I, I like to focus on on my channel. Um, but then there's also ways where you can cover the entire appliance and shower. Um, so it really just depends on um, each of the cases. Um, so we could have someone that doesn't need to do anything to their ostomy appliance and can jump in the pool and they be fine. Whereas someone else may need to uh, apply more product before that they can jump in. Or there, there could be, you know, an ostomate out there that can't uh, swim or potentially can't shower because um, of wounds or skin issues um, and, and so forth. Um, so that's something to think about too. There's really not a cut and dry answer, um, but like a lot of um, things I hear are um, ostomy nurses uh, telling patients that they can't shower and then the patient only showers, you know, every three days or whenever they change their appliance. And, you know, th there are ways that you, you can potentially shower. Um, but, yeah. Interesting. Huh. So Michael on Instagram is asking, are there different size ostomy appliances um, or is they all one size fits all, I guess? So originally it was uh, uh, a one size fit all, but as technology advanced, there's more options. Um, so depending on how big the stoma is and um, the, uh, depending on like, the abdominal, um, peristomal mm -hmm. area, um, you may need like a convex or a flat wafer. Um, and then you also will need to have a, um, a, a wafer that is um, the correct size, so the, the diameter of, of the stoma there. Um, so you, you do need to measure some stuff um, when fitting an ostomy appliance. Um, and then there's also different size bags that you can put on, or bags slash pouches. Um, so, um, like uh, when, like uh, I use a like a um, shoot, I can't even remember what what a uh, what size I wear. It's it's basically like the average ostomy pouch size, um, but they do come in uh, smaller sizes. There's even larger, like really really big. Um, ostomy pouches for nighttime, um, but those are only for specific brands of ostomy um, appliances. Um, I, I did I, do I a video. That, uh -huh. I would assume that that would. I would assume that that would really um, impact. Not, not maybe. I mean, I know that there's a lot of discussion when it comes to your diet. Um, you know, and it depends on each. Because everyone's like you said earlier, everyone is different, so everyone's experience with the disease is going to be different. Um, when, but then I guess losing or gaining weight would have an impact on, on the size. Like you'd have to go and get resized, I guess. Yeah. Um, so if, um, so for instance, like how this could have been packed. So with, with IBD, um, sometimes uh, the person may need to go on steroids and, and they could, you know, potentially gain some weight there. 
Um, it could be like a water weight, you know, the whole shenanigans. Um, and they may need to adjust their ostomy appliance, um, you know, gotcha. so with that. Or, you know, if a um, ostomy, you know, is pregnant, you know, they, they may need to adjust some things. Um, so there's, you know, you have to keep an eye on things. Um, if you, you lose weight, you know, just, you know, measure that stomach, you know. I, I would say, you know, if, if you have had a stomach for a while, um, to measure, you know, periodically just to make sure. Um, right. But, um, yeah. And I just want to point out, I just want to point out real quick that, that, what, that while we're having this discussion that, that these things are, are – Megan is talking about her own experiences that we encourage any listener to talk with your medical provider and do what is best for them and, and to stay on top of their medical condition. Uh, real quick, Megan, um, a really good friend of ours, Barbie Engel, is asking a question that's really interesting on um, Blog Talk Radio chat. She wants to know what happens to the intestines um, that aren't being used. Do they just die off? Are they all removed? What happens with those? Yeah, so, so this is really interesting. Um, so um, <laughs> hypothetically, so how, I'm going to use myself. Um, okay. So when I first initially uh, went back to a uh, uh, loop ileostomy in 2013, um, my uh, small intestine was pulled through the abdomen wall, but um, there was still intest- a small, small bowel attached to my anus. And so what happens is that there's no – um, okay, so if oh, so complicated. There's so many different um, scenarios that can happen. But if you are disconnected, the uh, bowel still produces mucus, and you will still need to relieve yourself of that mucus. Um, sometimes, okay. um, um, like when I had that ostomy in 2013, um, I was still having like mucus accidents since I couldn't hold stool um, right. before going to an ileostomy, I would have these like mucus accidents. So that, that still happens, you know, the bowels are still alive. Um, they still have to produce something. Um, but you know, if you, if you're disconnected uh, and the only way out is through, through the, the stoma, then there, there's nothing to, to come out. Um, that's, that's, yeah. that's fascinating. That's something I hadn't ever, I hadn't considered um, or ever thought about before. Is this similar to what I hear, uh, I've heard before at Healthy Voices Conference, uh, your, some of your fellow ostomates talk about um, Barbie butt. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, Barbie butt. <laughs> Barbie that? butt. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's kind of like a, a slang um, that the uh, ostomy community has, has came up with. Um, so when a person um, goes to a permanent end ileostomy, so that means their large intestine is completely gone, um, they uh, will be like sewn up, their anus will be sewn up if they still have their anus. But, um, uh, or, you know, um, let me backtrack there. If they do not have their anus, they'll be sewn up. Or if they do have their anus, the anus is still intact, but there's nothing attached to it. So there's nothing. So um, they call it a Barbie butt since there, there's nothing there. Um, so, um, there's, there's a whole bunch of memes that go around in the ostomy community. And um, there was a bumper sticker that I saw, and it said, um, just like Barbie. 
and I wanted it so bad because I'm going to be like, yep, my booty's just like, just like Barbie. And then there's also a, a joke that I say that I, I use too much, way too much. And I, it's, it's, you know, like uh, for dating wise, and this is in the context of dating. And I go, well, you know, there, there is a perk to, to, you know, sleeping with an ostomy is because, you know, their, their ass is the cleanest ass in town. Crackers <laughs> in town in about a year. <laughs> so, Meg That's on the opposite funny. side. I, I I love that we I, we had Kyle on last uh, last episode talking and using humor to to get through these medical conditions and it's and it's so necessary. What stigmas um, have you faced dealing with you know and in, in your experiences with other people trying to to educate them uh, about an ostomy? What 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 are those that you've faced? Yeah, so there's quite a few of them. So um, there's a stigma out there that um, ostomates smell, which can potentially be true if, you know, the ostomy appliance isn't fitted correctly or, you know, if there's not access to the, the, the correct um, appliance. But generally speaking, if everything is, is good and everything's fitted correctly, you shouldn't smell anything. Um, you know, I I did like this little experience uh, experiment on campus, and I would walk up to people and like, hey, do I smell? They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, do I smell? Smell me? And they're like, you, you smell fine to me. And I'm like, oh, well, I have an ostomy. And they're like, well, what's that? And then, then I go into the entire spiel. But so that's one of the things. And then another stigma is that ostomies are only for old people. And I will I will put my foot down and be like, no, they're also for they're for any age. A baby could have an ostomy. Uh, a teenager could have an ostomy. You know, young young people in general can have ostomies. But for some reason, it's very concentrated on um, older folks. Gotcha. So I have another question coming from Twitter. Uh, can you give any tips um, for traveling with an ostomy? Ooh, okay. Um, traveling with an ostomy. Okay, so I have this little travel bag that I take with me. Um, it's probably about like a, a foot long and like maybe four inches deep. And my tip to you is, or anyone that has an ostomy, is keep that on your carry-on. Do not put it in your your um, check bag because if your check bag gets lost, you're going to be up a creek with no ostomy supplies. And ostomy right. supplies are very hard to come by. Um, you can't walk into like a, a store to buy them. You know they, they they don't carry them at Walgreens. Okay. Now there are a couple of like storefront ostomy stores, but they're very hard to find. There's maybe maybe. You know, a couple of them, like, in, in bigger cities. But, again, you know, you're going to be up a creek. So keep the ostomy supplies with you at all times. Um, and you can even get a, a le- letter from, from your doctor saying that, hey, these are med- medical supplies. Do not separate them from me. And because, you know, there, right. there could be some scissors in there that could be potentially, potentially be taken away because they're sharp. So, you know, try to pick out scissors that, you know, have the blunt end um, if you have any ostomy deodorant, you know, have that in a doctor's note saying that it's a medical necessity because um, they're going to be tough on the liquid thing. Um, and also, you know, when you're getting scanned, um, you know, 
uh, say when you're getting saying, hey, I have an ostomy bag on, you know, on whatever side of the abdomen you have it on. Because that gives them an, an idea because, you know, it's it's most likely going to ping on, on those machines. Um, so if I give them right. a heads up first, then they know it's going to ping. So, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with security, you know, before something happens, let them know. And but also yeah, you're, you're having to publicly say that hey I have an ostomy and, and not a lot of people would would like to do that and we shouldn't right. have to but you know and and what's going on nowadays we we, we need need to do that um, right yeah. and Megan that brings me back to to my next question you know having to to talk about like you said, even just simply, something as simply as traveling, having to talk to TSA agent about why you need the supplies with you, um, you know, to we have to get back to our, our mental health and take care of our mental health. What do you do? I mean, Robert and I were talking at the beginning of the show about how I garden and all of that for my self-care. What do you do yourself for self-care? Mm, self-care. Um, so I am quite the introvert. So I typically step away from everything for, you know, a split second. Sometimes I just step away for longer. Um, so, you know, all of my social media is deeply ingrained with IBD. Um, so, and I also have um, PTSD. So I have PTSD from medical trauma. So I have to take that in consideration when um, I'm experiencing burnout. From advocacy and and also dealing with IBD in, in general as a patient. So you know I'll step back from social media, and then I'll try to occupy myself some other ways. And one of my favorite things to do, which is for some reason is, is very negatively looked upon, is play video games. I love video games. What's your favorite video game? Um, oof. So so right now you know I, I'm really big into Fallout. Um, I can, I can uh. play that for hours. Yeah. What do you have? Uh, a very, PlayStation very or? Uh, whew, no, that's. I have a lot of systems. Um, I have. Uh, you have a lot of them. You know what my favorite person? game was? My hmm. favorite game was Mario Kart and Mario Party on the Wii. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. were my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't have my Wii, but I do have a Nintendo 64 and Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo was my first gaming system. So, yeah, they're amazing. A little, amazing. A little they bit of a nerd back. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Nerds are good. Nerds are good. So let me ask mm-hmm. you this. You know, you started the front button YouTuber first. Where did the name come from? And if you're on YouTube or on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, please go Google or search uh, the front button YouTuber. Please tell me where did the name come from? Uh, okay. So I, I wanted to stick out. And I knew that, you know, there's a whole bunch of other blogs out there. There's other blogs. You know, you have to stick out somehow. So I wanted mm-hmm. to bring humor into it. Um, and since, you know, I no longer use my back butt, I now have, a, you know, a front butt, which I know that your butt can't be in the front, but, you know, it's a play on words. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I poop out, out my front here, out the stomach. So I thought, that's, I'm a front butt YouTuber. I'm going to do that. And so that's how that, that's how that came about. That's awesome. I love the name. I mean, you've been doing it since November of 2013. You, um, last year was your five-year anniversary, right? So yeah, it's almost yeah, it what, right, almost six years. So your most popular video um, is how to burp an ostomy. So tell us, how do you mm-hmm. burp one? Very, very <laughs> carefully. 
Um, so that's one of the skills that I believe that every ostomy needs to know is how to burp the bag. So burping the bag is just simply removing the gas from the pouch. And so what happens is you could be, you know, sitting or laying down, you know, um, sleeping in the middle of the night and you may not uh, want to get up or, you know, you could be in some situation where there, there's not that much output in the, in, in the bag, but you need to release some sort of gas so you don't have a blowout. So you, there's, there, there's different kinds of ways that you can do it. But generally speaking, how I burp my ostomy is that I lay down and take the end of the pouch and kind of um, point it up a little bit, open it up and gently um, roll my hand on the pouch just so the gas comes out. Now, this skill does take practice, I will say, and it can be very, very messy because if you make a mistake, it's, whew, yeah, very smelly mess. So it's, um, a lot, it's a lot harder than burping a baby. <laughs> Let's say yeah, that. It's, it's a lot harder. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So, so people can go to your YouTube and check out that video there so they can find out more information and details. I do want to talk real quickly um, on one of the things that you're working on. Uh, what's the project that you have, uh, you're have? working on now is the uh, Ostomy Leak Nightmare Protection? Nighttime Protection, I'm sorry. Oh, hey, hey, it could be a nightmare too. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, uh, so nighttime. Um, if you are a new ostomy, um, so you know, um, an experienced ostomy, there is a chance that the appliance could fail um, due to, you know, um, ostomy blowout or the seal comes loose or you roll over on it, you know, there's just so many different things. But um, I wanted to make a video on how to um, prep for this um, or different things that could cause this. Um, so right now I'm still writing this up the script. Um, so I want to talk about, um, like, prep, like, you know, the night of, you know, don't eat late or stuff like that, uh, different products like um, – like the waterproof um, uh, cover, and then, and then you put your uh, sheets on top of that, and so that way, you know, if there's the feces or urine goes everywhere, you could just take your sheets and then throw them in the washer quickly, um, or there's the um, uh, shoot, I can't, I can't remember what they're called. Uh, basically, they're, they're like these um, uh, big sh- uh, sheets that are, have adhesive on the back, um, they're kind of similar to like doggy pads, but um, again, like my my I have some brain fog going on a little bit right now. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But, but yeah, but you know, it, a lot of people just don't necessarily want to talk about this, and you know, it, it is a problem. You know, that right. an ostomy well, could potentially face. That's why I commend you. I commend you so much. There's such a societal taboo. I mean, and speaking mm-hmm. about excrement and feces. And and that's just something that goes along with the conversation of an ostomy. So even just even mm-hmm. having those conversations um, has has got to be so hard. And and I, I commend you so much for being so open and living so honestly with this. Um, you know, a person as a as a person living with HIV, you know, I I I, I understand the stigma aspect and and mm-hmm. society's misunderstanding of your of your chronic illness. So just the fact that you're able to we're able to have these conversations um, is is amazing, and and I just cannot commend you enough for for the amount of 
personal courage and strength that it takes to have these conversations so openly and honestly like, like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always think of what do I want to do? I want to help fellow ostomates. I want to help you know fellow IBD people. I just want to help people in general. And just by making a short video, I could really improve someone's life. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of effort, but you know what? It, it, it is worth it. Definitely worth it. So It is worth it. Yeah. Well, you're changing, you're, you're improving and helping to improve other people's lives. I mean, there are people every day um, who are having to have ostomies done who have, like you, like you said, um, have no idea what's really going on. And so they turn to people like you for inspiration and for understanding. Uh, so it's just mm-hmm. the importance of the work that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I totally agree. So uh, let me ask you this, Meg. What are some socially awkward moments that you have out in public, if you've had any, that you want to <laughs> share with us? And, 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 and tell us how, how – the question came from Twitter. So how, how is it with passing gas? Is it the same way as if, you know, you're doing, or is it, is it a little bit difficult? Like is it something that, you know – you have to, like, let out of the bag, like people are asking, so I have to put it out there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, lots, lots of socially awkward moments. And, you know, if there wasn't that big of a stigma, you know, about, you know, bodily functions, you know, maybe maybe there wouldn't be that big of a stigma. But so, um, so with the stoma, um, you cannot control the output. So basically what I'm saying is that you can fart, and will not have control over it. So if you're at a funeral, if you're at a job interview, you know, if you're in the yeah, library yeah. or if you're taking an exam, you know, there's going to be some fart noises. And, I, I you know, there, there's been times where I've been around very mature people, and there's some times where I've gotten a lot of looks. But I remember, uh, yeah, I was in college, um, and I was in the elevator, and, and the elevator was dead quiet, dead quiet. And there was probably three or four people in there, and my stomach just slipped one rip, very, very loud. Everyone stopped what they were doing. They turned around, and they just stared at me. And at that point, I was like, oh, 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 geez, oh. And so, like, I felt like maybe, like, if I looked at the wall behind me to, like, slam the wall, it would be fine. But that didn't work. So, you know, I figured, hey, this could be a good moment to – um, educate someone that what an ostomy is. I'm like, oh, oh, sorry, right. I, I have a, I have an ileostomy. I I can't control my output, and all I got was a whole bunch of head nods, and then you know their no- their noses went right back into their phone. So you know it really I, wasn't that bad, but you, you know it is, happens. That yeah. is one heck of an icebreaker for like when you meet a new group <laughs> of folks sitting around. That is uh, yeah. that's one way to get to know people. Um, hey Megan, I know coming up here uh, May. Uh, 17th through the 20th, you're going to a Digestive Disease Week um, in San Diego. What is what's that all about? Yeah, so it is one of the largest um, conferences for. I wrote this down uh, for uh, researchers such as uh, gastroenterology, hepatology, endoscopy, and gastrointestinal surgery. Um, so I, I'm super, super uh, privileged to be going. Um, thank you for Jansen um, to uh, flying us out there. Um, and there's also going to be um, um, a 
another IBD social circle uh, conference as well going at the same time. So um, a lot of educational stuff, um, uh, a lot of talking and, 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 and getting, getting updated on the new information, uh, the studies, medications, um, and gotcha. just a good general um, look into medically what is going on. And, you know, there, there's – it's it's generally for medical professionals, so it's it's quite the rarity um, uh, for uh, patients to be going. Um, but yeah, super pumped. That is awesome. Um, well, and real quick, Megan, I just want to throw it out there, and we could probably have a whole other show on this. Um, I just want our listeners to know that IBD is not the same as IBS. Yes, uh, so it's one of the most common uh, mistakes there. Um, so. Uh, Inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, and irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, often get confused because, you know, the acronym is only off by one letter. Um, so I, I did want to touch on that a little bit briefly. And again, you know, it's, it's very, very common, very easily mistakable. Um, let's see here. So um, irritable bowel syndrome is like a functional disorder uh, of bowel functions um, that can have, you know, diarrhea, constipation, gas, bloating, mucus and stool, um, and so forth. But the key factor here is that it does not cause damage, whereas IBD can. And gotcha. um, IBD and IBS, their treatments are completely different. So if you do confuse those two, then, you know, there could be potentially um, some things that can go wrong. Um, so this and is it's, actually Megan, it's, it's probably mm-hmm. easy too for one to confuse because are, are, are the symptoms pretty similar between IBD and I, and IBS? There are some similar similarities, you know, definitely with the, the diarrhea, constipation, gas, bloating, um, but you know, there, there's no um, inflammation that's happening with IBS, um, and mm-hmm. and uh, there, there's really no surgical intervention with IBS. Um, there's really not a lot of medications for IBS. For IBD, you know, you, you know, people are losing body parts. You know, that, that's a key thing there. Um, they're having to have surgery. They're getting on harsher medications. And IBD is an autoimmune um, um, uh, disorder. So, you know, it, it's not just the GI tract where IBS is just the GI um, stuff going on. So, that's, um, that's yeah. That's great to make, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I myself, um, before you know, doing some reading and all, uh, before your interview, had no idea there was really a difference. I just thought IBD and IBS were, were interchangeable, and they absolutely yeah. yeah. Now, uh, someone that has IBD can also have IBS. Now, whew, that, 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 that's a I don't want to deal with that. And that's a whole other show, Meg. That's a whole other yeah, show that we'll have next show. time. Yeah. Listen, I have, a, I have a couple seconds left. Um, I, real quick, I just want you to tell us about um, your Healthy Voices experience, going to the conference and meeting other people. What was your experience like there? And, and we might go off live, but we'll continue so in the archive. If you missed this conversation, you can pick it up in the archive if we go over the hour. So I just want to know, tell us a little bit about your Healthy Voices experience when you, when you attend the conference. Yeah, so one of the reasons why I, I like Healthy Voices is that it g- gets me out of the Ooh, are you on speaker, Meg? No, I just like that okay. thing that could 
potentially cut us off maybe? No, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. So um, one of the reasons why I like healthy voices is that it kind of gets me out of the the narrow um, uh, just my uh, condition where I can network with other people and kind of open up my horizons there um, and and so forth. Because there are a lot of similarities, like when we start talking about like the healthcare system and and laws that impact us, because they impact everyone. So having um, um, hear other people's narratives on how they navigate the medical field and um, how how they get their medications and and their experiences. And also, you know, different platforms like I'm more so like a video platform but I lean, do lean more heavily on social media um, when I'm not feeling well and so being around other other folks I can see how they um, do their um, advocacy outlets and I do learn you know quite a bit from that um, so yeah and it's, and it's great networking um, with that kind of stuff so yeah Great. Well, Meg, we're down to the last couple of seconds. I want to thank you for coming on and sitting with us and sharing your story. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And like Brady said, we could do a whole other show with you on a whole bunch of other things. So I just love you. I think you're amazing. You're a beautiful person inside and out. And if you ever need anything, Brady and I are here 100%. Oh, shucks. Well, it's been quite, quite a privilege to be on the show with you guys and, you know, be part of potentially the, you know, the creation of the, I the guess, the idea from the, yeah, the birth right. in the hotel room eating the chicken birth. pizza. So. You were there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. Stuffing my Yes, you were. So real quick for people listening. I just wanted to tell people real quick, if you're on social media, go to the Front Butt YouTuber or uh, Google uh, Megan Johnson, it'll all come up for you. Um, Brady, any final words? Uh, yeah, I just want to say, um, first of all, it was a great interview. Thank you so much, Megan. Um, and I would like to let all of our listeners know that it was just confirmed that Healthy Voices Radio has been uh, approved for a season two. So be ready for that. We are coming from yeah. season two. And then in two weeks, we will be speaking with one of our favorite people, Miss Kamaria Laffery. Um, she is living with HIV and is doing so much in the HIV advocacy world. So I'm excited to have her on and talk next week. And I just want to remind all of our viewers or all of our listeners, I mean, to please go and subscribe to us um, on either iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And you can always find us on uh, Blog Talk Radio. There you go. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you in two weeks.